Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm really excited for today's episode with Frank Rich. And before that, just going to get to a few of your questions. Also, it's so crazy. So my birthday is tomorrow. I'm turning 30 tomorrow. And a lot of you had asked me what I was doing for my birthday. So I will tell you. So I really didn't want to put anyone in a weird situation where they felt like they had to go to a party or, you know, hurt my feelings if they didn't go to my house or something like anything that would make anyone uncomfortable in 2020 in this COVID pandemic situation is just like trash. Like, don't do that to people, you know, and I really didn't want to. And so what I did instead is I planned a little trip with my boyfriend. We planned it together and we're going to Maine actually right now. Like when you're listening, we'll be on the way to Maine. We're going to Kennebunkport and staying at this cute little inn and we'll be eating lots of lobster rolls and just relaxing and reading and having a very chill time. My actual birthday is on Monday. So tomorrow and it's so crazy. I feel so ready to turn 30. I'm so excited. Um, Also last night I had a little dinner with just my family and it was really nice. I had like my favorite barbecue and that was really fun. So that's how I'm celebrating my birthday. I think Maine is going to be great. And I feel like everyone's gone to Maine this summer. It's like a rite of passage for the summer because if you're on the East coast, you can drive there. And I don't know, it's just like a thing that people have been doing. You wanted me to talk about what it's been like living together. Um, So it's weird because my boyfriend and I have been living together basically all of quarantine, but we haven't actually been living together. And now we're fully moved into my apartment, which was not our plan. Our plan was to get our own apartment together. But moving in COVID is a headache and I can't get out of my lease. So... We're going to be here till May and it's really fun. Like I've never lived with anyone before. He's never lived with anyone before. And I mean, I've had a roommate, but not anyone romantically and same with him. And it's so funny. Like we will do this thing. We'll text like when we have plans with our friends, we'll text and he'll be like, do you want to come over to mine? And I'll be like, no, I can't. But like (laughs) his is mine, you know? 
And it's just fun. I feel like I have a built in like fun best friend that I get to do whatever I want with. And like, he's always here and I'm always here. And um, it's really, it's fun. And like, I get to go out with my girlfriends to to dinner and then come back and like come home to him and, and vice versa. And so that's really fun. I also think he's an actual good roommate. Like I've had tons of roommates before and they're not like that clean or this or that. He cleans up, he takes the trash out. He, you know, he drank my last Diet Coke and he went to go get more Diet Coke, which is like, what more can you ask of a roommate? It's been really good. Everyone says like, once you move in together, you stop having sex. Like that hasn't happened for us, but I also can see how that does happen because especially like this summer when we were working together in the same house, we would like take breaks like during the afternoon and go like have sex. But now, so he's actually going into the office. It's just him in the office. So he goes in and then like comes back. So we're not really together during the day. So we don't have that time. So then like by the nighttime... We're both so tired, especially if one of us went out with friends or both of us did or... And by the way, when I say went out, I mean to dinner. Like there's no going out in COVID. And so like we'll get back and we'll be really tired. So that's like the only thing I would maybe say. But like we still managed to to do it and like to make sure that, you know, we're happy and and all that stuff. And so it's it's been really good. Like I have no complaints. Like talk to me and like six months. We'll see. Uh, no, but it's been really good. And we actually made some plans to, um, to like do some weekend getaways locally, um, in the next few months. So we're not like too cooped up here, which will be nice. Um, and I'll tell you more about that as it, as it comes along. Someone asked when I started therapy. I started therapy when I was 23. I was depressed and I talked about that in this episode actually with Frank. I didn't really understand like what depression was, but I knew for sure that I wasn't in a good way. I had been dumped and rejected for the first time, which I talked about in last week's episode. And I just found myself kind of at like a rock bottom in life and a bunch of people that I love and respect had talked to me about therapy. And I was like, no, it's not for me. I'm perfect. But I realized that it's actually like, why not? You know, if I have the the means to to do this, like I'll check it out. And so I did. And I, I literally didn't look back since like therapy has been life-changing for me. Someone asked about dating someone at work, how to keep it a secret and maintain a professional relationship. I feel like that's like the fun thing is to keep it a secret and maintain a professional relationship. And like, it's kind of like role play, which is like kind of hot in my opinion. But I have heard horror stories of how it can go bad, like power struggles. If one person gets promoted and the other doesn't like it's like, you know, it is mixing business with pleasure, literally. And so I would say as long as you both recognize that and like understand that things could go wrong in that way, then it's fine. And like one of you has an exit strategy, like plans to leave the company and go somewhere else, then I would do that. I really briefly want to talk about three shows that I've seen recently that were amazing. Actually four. So the first is Love Life on HBO Max. 
It's with Anna Kendrick, who I don't usually love, but the show is written extremely well and it's so relatable. If you are single in New York, you should absolutely listen. No matter where you are and what your relationship status is, you should listen. It's really well done. And it actually, it's the reason that I started to talk about trauma in last week's episode because she goes to therapy over having had like relationship issues from when she was younger. So I feel like that's so relatable. Like the way that we kind of start our relationships really does shape the rest of our relationship kind of journey. And so that's a really good show to watch. I also watched The Social Dilemma, which is all about how technology is ruining our lives. But ironically, it's like the people that they interview are people that worked at Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. And it's like, well, you worked there for five years and like made a shit ton of money. And now you're saying technology ruins lives. But like, it's easy for you to say because you have all the money and you're done with that now. Um, But no, I mean, they obviously have a good point. For me, social media is a big part of my career and my, you know, income. And so for that reason, I say that it's great. But I also do agree, like they had a really good point. They were like the only two places where like the clients are called users are with drug dealers and with social media. And like, I I was shook by that. It couldn't be more true. So I guess just if your job isn't in social media, be more mindful of your usage, but it's really hard. It's really hard. Guys, my birthday is tomorrow. And if you want to get me a gift, you know I'm obsessed with Majuri. So I love all the jewelry from there. No, I'm just kidding. But if your birthday is coming up or if a friend's birthday, family member's birthday, or guess what? You don't need an occasion to get yourself jewelry. Majuri is the best place to get your fine jewelry that's fairly priced, handcrafted, and ethically sourced. You can feel good doing it. You can get things like personalized necklaces with your initials. You can get jewelry cases. Um, You can get Zodiac rings and bracelets like the ones that I have. Um, You can get chain necklaces, literally anything that you can dream of, Majuri has, and they launch products every single Monday. So there's something for everyone. And for you guys, I want you to have 10% off your first order by using our code ACME10. So if you go to Majuri.com, you can use our code ACME10. So make sure that you write ACME10 when you're checking out and you're really going to love it. Thank you so much in advance for my gift. Just go to Majuri.com slash ACME or use code ACME10 at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first order. So let me know how it goes and what you get and tag me. Hi, this is Deborah Messing. And I'm Andana Dayani. We decided to create a podcast to introduce you to the people who inspire us most. These are the dissenters. The people who just made a decision one day to break down the establishment and build a new one. In the greatest times of grief or even the most ordinary of circumstances, many heroes will rise. You just have to take that first step. So please tune in. We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. There are heroes everywhere. Discover them. Become one.
The Paris Hilton documentary. I loved, loved, loved this. I actually had a lot of friends get sent to these like wilderness programs when I was younger. And luckily my parents never sent me. I was kind of a goody goody to be honest then, but it's really messed up. I feel like there's so many easy ways to deal with like a rebellious child. And I felt really bad for Paris. And I think she sounds like great and would love to be friends with her one day. I love you, Paris. And the last show is The Vow. It's about, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but that cult like Nixim or NXVIM, whatever. If you know, you know. Um, And it's really dark. A new episode comes out every Sunday. I suggest watching it, but only if you can handle like sick, twisted shit, which is my go-to genre. It's just fucked up that this man took advantage of all these women. And I don't want to tell you too much, even though it's a real story that you can Google, but you should definitely look into it and watch it. Um, How to end a date after two drinks without seeming uninterested. Mm, Just have two drinks. And if you want, by the way, um, no one has to have two drinks. And then be like, okay, well, like this was so much fun. Like, do you want to walk me home? Like it doesn't have to, you don't have to say like, I have to wake up early. You don't have to make up some lie. You can just end it confidently. Like this was great. Let's um, walk home or like, I'm going to start walking home or I'm going to get an Uber, like whatever it is. And if they try to go in and kiss you, like kiss them back if you feel comfortable. I don't think that it has to be such like a navigation situation. Just like end it and end it with confidence. How to not feel behind when all of your friends are having babies. Well, all my friends are having babies and I don't feel behind. I mean, I'm an aunt to one adorable baby boy and soon to be um, another... I'm going to have a niece soon, which is so exciting. And I get to see what it's like to have kids. And I think it's amazing and so fulfilling, but it's also like a chapter of your life ends. And I think like everyone rushing to kind of like, I don't want to say end your life and have a baby, but like end life as you know it and start a new life where it's never about you and it's about the kid. Like, I don't, see the rush. I definitely want to have kids and I'm so excited about it. And like when I do get married, like I want to start my family like right away. But right now I'm like so enjoying this time, you know, before that and and like building a business and and a career. And by the way, that doesn't mean you still you can't build a business and a career when you have a kid, but it, there's your focus changes a little bit and you, it's like having your heart walking around in the streets and and it's a lot. And then lastly, someone wanted me to talk about uh, adjusting to New York City. It's been so great. I'm so happy to be back. I love to walk and I feel like I can walk everywhere. I feel very productive here and it's so great to see friends like wearing a mask everywhere. Yeah, it sucks, but there are far worse things in life and doctors wear them all day. And so to complain about that, like you really have to put things into perspective and realize that that's not that big of a deal. Like if you're protecting someone else by wearing a mask, wear the fucking mask. And you know, like the vibes are here. Like we were at dinner the other night at this place, 12 chairs and like ran into all these people, you know, walking around the city. Like a few of you guys have 
been like, hi, are you Lindsay from Women Acne? And like that feeling is so cool because I feel like my like hub of people who listen to the podcast are in the city and just to like be around everyone is so great. And, and again, just like to see friends again and have that like sort of sense of normalcy come back, obviously social distance. And I don't know what's going to happen when it gets much colder. And that's like something that we'll discuss then. But right now to be able to eat outside and see friends is really great. Okay. I said last, but someone asked, why do exes come up in new relationships? It's very normal. Um, It's actually healthy sometimes to talk about exes and like talk through what didn't work with that person and what, you know, works with this person and and things like that. It's good to have that perspective. And on that note, I'm going to turn it over to my conversation with Frank. And I'm very excited to hear what you guys think. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am super excited to be here with men's health coach, Frank Rich. Hey, Frank. Hey, Lindsay. Excited to uh, be here. Thank you for having me on today. Yeah, thanks for coming. I'm so glad that we got connected. Shout out to Rob. But before we get started, let's get a little bit of background on you. How old are you and where are you from? I am 36, will be 37 in exactly two weeks. Now that I'm looking at the, the day today, it's August 25th. Uh, I'll be 37, uh, born and raised in Tampa, Florida, and still residing here today. Awesome. So that actually answers a question I was going to ask you in a few questions from now, which is, when's your birthday? Because we do love astrology over here. And so okay. you're a Virgo, I see. I am. I'm third or fourth day Virgo. So I don't, I don't know what that means from a astrology standpoint. Maybe, maybe you can educate me on that, but I don't know if that means I have some Libra tendencies, but yeah, I am a Virgo. I think if anything, it means you have some Leo tendencies. Um, Leo. Okay. Yeah. Shows how much I know about about astrology. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and something that you, and I want to talk all about the whole men's health thing. Um, but something that you are specifically, you know, focused on, which I found fascinating is, uh, pornography for men. And before I hear your views, um, I wanted to share, you know, something that I've come across when it comes to pornography and a lot of women, you know, have reached out to me before saying something like, should I be offended if my boyfriend watches porn or, you know, this and that. And, I guess, like, what is your take on the whole thing? And is it possible to watch porn and not get addicted to it? Or is it kind of like always a slippery slope and something that as a partner you shouldn't be encouraging? Yeah, great, great question. And in, in, in terms of my stance on it, being that I, I really struggled with, with a lifetime of being addicted to porn, I mean, almost, almost 20 years and knowing that I was able to overcome that break free and and kind of the life that I'm living now, I take the stance of, I don't see a place in anybody's life for pornography. And there's multiple, you know, there's multiple reasons. Um, some of them, you know, being, being my faith and, and my Christian beliefs in terms of should a female be offended. I want to answer that question. Obviously, I gave you my my personal take. I don't think that there's a place in a man's life for pornography. I know some people are going to push back on that. What we have to understand is the biological response or the chemical response that porn induces inside of the male's brain. So when we understand that there's it's triggering and it's firing the same chemical responses as many of our hardcore addictive drugs, heroin, cocaine, that it causes the same 
dopamine response. That's where I would say you need to understand uh, if you are somebody that's going to go down the road. And this is speaking really against my beliefs, but I want to I want to serve your audience here. Mm-hmm. If you are going to watch porn or consume porn, you need to understand from a biological or from a chemical standpoint what is what is occurring. Same thing, you know. Can can somebody drink alcohol and not become an alcoholic? Absolutely. Right. Can somebody you know do recreational drugs and not become uh, a drug addict? Absolutely. You know you have to you have to be able to make those decisions of this is something that I want in my life. But no, I don't think every person that watches pornography is going to become a porn addict. I think it's more going to be susceptibility to addictive traits and qualities. You, you would just have to go so deep from a psychological standpoint to really uncover is this person maybe somebody that would have the tendency to be right. addicted? Me, yeah, I, from a very, very young age, had OCD-type tendencies. I mean, I got into competitive bodybuilding very, very young. It's an addictive hobby. It's an addictive uh, sport that people participate in. Struggled right. with alcoholism. I struggled with drug usage. I don't think I was ever really a drug addict, but I am the person that when I go all into, like when I go into something, I go all in. So I, on a spectrum of potential addict, like I'm probably closer to that red line. Like if something is, you know, is very good for me and and I enjoy it. Like I said, I'm going to go all in. But to answer the question, no, I don't think every person that watches porn is going to become a porn addict. Um, But I hope in what I answered there, I I gave enough context to maybe we can get into some more of the, the damaging stuff here but but yeah i think uh i think that there could be a place potentially in this episode we're talking a lot about porn and you know checking in with yourself and seeing if it's healthy or not and that's why i'm so glad that i am partnered with dipsy i've talked about dipsy a lot but Just in case you missed it, Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself and your sexual, you know, energy. And it's an amazing alternative to porn. I would, I would actually even argue that it it is porn in a lot of ways, but it's not the same, you know, in your face unrealistic thing. It's just these like very tasteful, sexy stories that are so relatable. You'll feel like you're in the story yourself. And they add new content every week, like spontaneous hookups with a hot stranger, like getting closer with your Pilates instructor, things that like you would think of and probably, you know, masturbate to already. It's like there are these stories and someone tells them to you in like a very hot voice. So I don't know what you're waiting for. For listeners of the show, Dipsy's offering a 30-day free trial. You just go to dipsystories.com slash Acme. It's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Acme. You're going to get a 30-day trial. So you can thank me later when you're masturbating for 30 days straight to the stories. Dipsystories.com slash Acme. You're going to love it. And it's really tasteful. So I'm excited to hear what you think. And I want to know... What are the side effects of a man watching porn? I mean, you touched on like some kind of chemical, like, you know, emotional thing that that reacts to it. Like, 
what are the side effects? Because a lot of people, you know, for example, like if a woman uses a vibrator often, then, um, you know, some might say like she's making it harder for her to achieve an orgasm with a partner. What are the, are the side effects of men at least? I mean, I don't know about the side effects on women watching porn, but for men that you've realized or researched? Yeah, well, we're going back to to the dopamine uh, the dopamine response. So our brains have a we have neurotransmitters. There there's chemicals that are released uh, that are that are meant to trigger certain type of responses. Dopamine comes from the brain's pleasure center. Dopamine is our reward system. It means when we do something that we enjoy, our body is designed to release a chemical to 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 create the sense of joy in that. What happens when we watch porn though is the portion of the brain that responds is separate from the, the portion of the brain that typically responds to humans. So there's actually separations within our brain, one being a response to objects, like when you see a fancy car, when you see a shiny watch, when you see something of objective value, when you see an object, one part of your brain responds. When you see real beauty in a human being in another soul, it, it triggers a, a separate response in your brain. So the first side effect is when you watch porn, you're actually conditioning and training yourself to when you see people that you respond from an object, objective uh, stance. And this is where real men that are that are deep in a uh, in a porn addiction will will talk about the objectification mm-hmm. of women. Like it's hard to look at a woman or any woman and just see her for what she is—a beautiful woman. Everything immediately triggers this kind of sexual response. Like you see a woman just walking down the street and you immediately start to fantasize about what you could be doing with her or right. you, you or just the objectification side of things. So that would be obviously one of the warning signs of an overuse or overconsumption of pornography. Um, and, and, and then because, because we're designed and, and we were created for, for intimacy, for connection and for, for sexual release, if we're constantly going down the route of using an artificial stimulus to create the internal uh, release of the sexual energies and, and the hormones, what can tend and what that can lead to happening is literally like you cannot get an erection with a real woman. Like I've heard some daunting, horrible stories of men that like they can't get an erection without putting their hands on a keyboard. So you can literally like rewire what it is that's, uh, brings you brings you intimacy for for lack of a better way of explaining that um and and, and and those are just you know from a from a sexual physical standpoint i mean yeah. the, the the social anxiety the shame the guilt the depression i mean right. that's where the cycle really begins to to kind of get destructive because all of those emotions or feelings lead you to potentially other addictive habits such as alcohol you know showing yeah. you know men addicted to porn are much more likely to become addicted to drugs or alcohol because they're looking to suppress many of the feelings. But what about women um, when it comes to porn? I mean, I, I'm i in a relationship now and I live with my partner. So like I haven't been, you know, watching anything recently. But before that, you know, I would definitely on occasion, like maybe even more than maybe even like, you know, three, four times a week watch And I actually, I think I also have an addictive personality in a way. Like I, you know, became addicted to marijuana at one point. And so is it different for women? Because I never once felt 
like I was addicted to porn as much as um, it was just like it made it easier or more fun. Yeah, it 100% is different. We're we're different species. We uh, men are visually stimulated. Um, this I'm just going to cite a book here, and I'm going to I'm going to throw a little bit of it off. But Wired for Intimacy uh, was written by William Struthers. so he actually goes into the biology and the differences between the men and the male female brain. Men are visually stimulated. That's that's why women wear makeup. That's why women dress to show to enhance their physique, because that's what arouses men. That's what attracts women to men. Women from you mean a sexual men to women. Men to women, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, women, they're not as stimulated, they're not as visually stimulated. This is why books like Fifty Shades of Grey and a lot of your erotic novels are really kind of the women's pornography um, because it's not as much we need to, women don't need to see it, they can read it and then they create the, the visual inside of their own creative uh, brain. So that's about as far as I can speak from a women's standpoint because I don't specifically work with women. Um, but I, I, I think in answering your question there, that would maybe be why it didn't feel as like enticing to you. It was just something that maybe you enjoyed just because it's, it's not, it's not triggering the same type of response in your brain. I can't explain to you how stressful it's been to cook in my apartment and like make actual meals because it's the kitchen is so tiny as opposed to being at my parents and I just like don't have the time for that I really don't and I'm so grateful for daily harvest for exactly that because they're delivering food built on organic fruits vegetables right to my door and they also have flatbreads which are amazing they work directly with farms and then they freeze their ingredients at like peak ripeness and lock in all the nutrients and taste. So whether you're into the flatbreads or the smoothies for breakfast, um, or just the comfort food and the, the harvest bowls and the soups, like whatever you're into, they've got it. And it's really amazing. My favorite are the flatbreads, which is a new thing that they're doing. And I really think that you should try them. I also love you guys and I'm so grateful for you. So I want to give you $25 off your first Daily Harvest box. They make it really easy to clean, undeniably delicious food. And like no matter what you're doing that day, it's just so easy to have a good meal when you do it with Daily Harvest. So just go to dailyharvest.com. And when you're checking out, enter our promo code ACME and you'll get $25 off your first box. So that's promo code ACME for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. And hit me up and show me your Daily Harvest on the DM and I'll repost it because I love when you do that. So dailyharvest.com, enter code ACME. That's interesting. I actually like I wanted to disagree when you were first saying that. But then I realized like, you know, and maybe this is just a compliment to women, like we are more imaginative and more creative in those ways. Like if we read something, we can imagine it and picture it, whereas men actually do need to see it. Um, And I don't know why that is, but that is a good point. Like I women women are creators. They I mean, yeah, from from the beginning, like women create other human beings. I mean, that's right. Yeah, that's true. 
So yeah, I would, I would definitely uh, agree with that. I mean, obviously there's, there's a balance between, I mean, men have creative tendencies. We have female energy in, in, inside of us, but yeah, I, I, I think just understanding that women are, are more of a creator than, than man. Yeah. And what's your opinion on like, you know, a lot of people will reach out to me and be like, how do I spice up my sex life? And like, we've been dating for three years and it's not as exciting anymore. And a lot of people will suggest watch porn with your partner. What's your stance on that? And like, if you had, you know, first of all, what's your current relationship status? I am recently single. Okay. But like, let's say that you were in a relationship and your partner wanted to do that with you. Would that be a complete no-no because it was like, it would be a trigger for you? Uh, for me personally? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I made a stance. I made a choice a year and a half ago that I was going to remove porn from my life forever. So it, it would be like asking, you know, the, the recovering alcoholic, like, Hey, right, to do, drink. You wanna, do you want to yeah. go to the bar with me? And you know, we're only going to have two drinks. Like it'll be okay. Cause I'm going to be here with you. And then afterwards I'll have really good sex with you. Like it, it still wouldn't make a whole lot of, whole lot of right. sense. For, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's personally for, for me. Going back to, I think when I shared, you know, many of my, my beliefs at the beginning, I see porn as, as the most destructive drug in the world, um, more than alcohol because it's accessible to pretty much every person on, on the planet, because I know the darker side of it. Um, I'm, I'm standing on this side with a voice against it. So when somebody asks me, Hey, well, is, is porn okay? Because it makes my relationship better. I not speaking as a relationship coach, not speaking as a therapist in any way, I would say if, if you're needing the objectification of other people to make your relationship better, there's something that needs to be looked at between, mm. between the two of you. Just, just my personal take on that. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. And then this is the last question I have about the porn stuff. And then I want to hear about your opinion on a few other things, but would you agree that like, you know, let's say I watch porn of like just two women together, right? Like, um, would you agree that like the porn you watch is not directly related to like what you're into in real life? So like, let's say I'm really into like incest porn, like obviously, you know, I'm not into incest in real life, like that kind of thing, you know? Um, no, I would, I would say that you, you, that there's no way to completely separate the two. You could say, yeah, I'm not into it, but that doesn't mean that it's going to lead you down a path. One thing that uh, we tend to see as porn addiction progresses, as really just porn use progresses. I mean, sharing personally from somebody, you know, shared my age so people can understand this, that my introduction of porn was, was not what we have today. Like the internet wasn't even around when I was, you know, first introduced to it. So it was a, it was a magazine of just a single individual woman. And then it led to, uh, with the access to the internet, images, videos, and then more and more as just like with an alcohol, like, you know, you don't start drinking a bottle of whiskey every night. You may start drinking Bud Light and then you advance as your alcoholism grows. You need more either of the one type of alcohol to get you the same level, or you're going to need a harder type of alcohol. So I would say with, with the porn, what you're into now a will not if you're really going to continue speaking like this is a good thing, but whatever you're into now, over time will not have the same effect. So your 
what you watch will get more hardcore. But I don't I don't think that you can completely disconnect the two. Just because you're not into it right now doesn't mean that it's not leading you to some other desire or or fantasy. Interesting. That's really interesting. I I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because my taste when I did watch was very bizarre and I would not, you know, be into it in real life. But I I do agree that like nothing is so far off that it like, you know, has nothing to do with you. So maybe it's like deep down you thought like, oh, what would it be like to like be with a girl if you like lesbian porn? But I don't think that makes you a lesbian per se. Um, it could just be something like, oh, you you like to see like a woman pleasured as opposed to like standard men, woman porn, where it's like usually about the guy being pleasured, if that makes any sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Another thing I want to talk about is um you know, you've suffered from depression and and I actually have as well. And you've gotten past that. And now you work with men to uh, help them get past their, you know, depression and their mental health issues as well. Um, We recently talked on the podcast about like depression in men relating to like the ability to, you know, perform during sex and things like that. And a friend of mine told me who's who's a man told me it's so common uh that that men take viagra and that men take cialis and a lot of women don't know about this it's like a very under the radar thing for some reason like women just don't know like women also don't realize that like every man is like on hair supplements and things like that like i don't know maybe just cuz like it's not as talked about as like women being on birth control for example so what does like depression in a man look like? I know what it looks like in a woman. Um, you know, is it is it so different? And like, does it affect your sex life? I'm I'm not equipped uh, from a clinical standpoint to answer right. this question. So I'll speak from a personal experience standpoint, and then try to provide as much insight from a coach. But I just wanted to make sure that clinically, like I'm not. Yeah licensed therapist, psychologist. So, so speaking on, on something as, as severe as depression, I just wanted to, to make sure that anything I say here is not uh, clinical advice. But I think yeah. to answer your question, what does, it, what does depression feel like in a man? Imagine sitting in an empty room in the middle enclosed in a box, but you feel like the walls of the room are compressing you down and there's no escaping that. Depression is a scary, scary place. Like I'm talking real clinical depression, not I'm sad today and I don't want to get up and go to work. I'm talking like you actually are questioning if existence is worth it. Uh, that's, that's how I view or my, I guess, take on, on depression. It is, it is at the point where you literally feel like there is no other way out other than maybe perhaps just, and I know that is really dark, um, but that's, that's, that's my take because that's where I've been. So mm. it just feels like literally the entire world is compressed against you in that there's no way out of it. There's no thought that, that is the right thought. There's no word that is the right word. And you just, you feel literally like trapped inside of your own body. Yeah. That would, that would be my personal take on, on depression. Yeah. I don't know if that was the actual answer that you were Looking. No, that's that's great. I mean, when I was, I mean, it's not great. Obviously, it's it's terrible. But um, yeah. that's a good description of it. When I 
went through my depression, I kind of felt like, I definitely understand your analogy. For me, it felt like I was like there, but every, like everything was going on around me and I didn't know how to like participate. And, and it was like, everything was happening and I couldn't like speak and be kind of like my normal outgoing self. And I was just an observer, but like things were happening to me and I couldn't do anything and I couldn't like add anything. And it was just like really sad. And for me, you know, and this is why I asked you, like, I, I didn't have sex for like a year when I was depressed and like, I barely even wanted to masturbate. I was just like, not, I had no sex drive. And so I can imagine like if I were a man, um, I wouldn't have been able to like, quote unquote, get it up, you know? And I think like as women, we don't really see, I mean, there's still so much like toxic masculinity that we don't see men as like, like, we're like, oh, if they're not like getting hard for you, they're not interested in you. If they're not, you know, doing X, Y, and Z, like they don't like you. Like if they don't want to hang out because they're having a bad day, it's because they actually really don't like you. As opposed to giving men the space to actually like have real emotions and darkness. So I just think it's so interesting hearing from you that you went through something like that. And, you know, if you could just touch on like, if you were feeling, you know, during your depression, if you were feeling like you could still, you know, have sex and you could still have that sex drive or if that went away for you also, or like just desire in general, you know? Yeah. So, so depression is something that I, that I battled with and, and, and fought with pretty much my entire adult life. So I could speak 15 years ago, but I, I think it's better for me to talk in the present tense or really kind of in the most recent. So I haven't had sex uh, in a year and a half. I, uh, my kind of uh, break free day, I guess, uh, was, was Valentine's Day 2019. Uh, that was the day that I finally made the choice, made the decision uh, after kind of a few months of uh, some research and then just with the right type of community and, and network around me, that was that was really my my day of breaking free. So that was February 14th. At the time, I was in a relationship. I was in a relationship for, for two and a half years already at that point. In a way to navigate, uh, I guess, uh, some new territory together and also due to some of our faith is, as well, we made the decision that we were going to not have sex. At the time, we thought until we were married, we thought that that we were going to end up together forever. So that was a relationship that I am weeks removed from. So it was a year and a half of trying to navigate some newer waters of some healing, some forgiveness that needed to take place. Uh, but I didn't. I wasn't sexually active, kind of post post porn addiction. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to address your the thing you said regards to so many men taking Cialis or, or Viagra, a healthy man, really 50 and under. I mean, if you're healthy and strong in your fifties too, this should be like, you should have no problem getting an erection. You should actually wake up in the morning with like a rock hard, solid mm-hmm. erection. Um, so if you're having to, if you're having to take Cialis and Viagra to perform, like, cause you have a woman willingly, like ready to, to give it to you. You can't even get it up then. Like you have some deeper, uh, physical health issues that I think needed to, to be addressed. There's some, 
they could be testosterone related. It could be due to, I'm not, I don't know any of these men personally that you're right. uh, talking to or, or about, it could be related to their porn usage. Cause I know for me as a bodybuilder, so my testosterone at times was 12 to 1500, uh, which is like double kind of a normal range for somebody in their, their early thirties. You know, when I was competing, I obviously had exogenous uh, testosterone, but even with the testosterone at the levels that it was, I still had to resort to Cialis or Viagra to have sex. So I, I know what PIED is and I know what it feels like to experience porn induced erectile dysfunction. So I mm. would, I would, I just want to connect the two there. But I would say if, if, if you're in your thirties and, and, and forties and you're a man and you're not waking up like rock hard, solid every single morning, um, it's time to, to look at your overall lifestyle, health, nutrition, supplementation, water intake, training, all of these other factors. Um, cause you should, you should have no problem getting directions. What about drugs and alcohol? Could that affect? Um... Oh, obviously. obviously yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you're just like casual drinker that like drinks when you go out, that could still maybe affect it. Yeah. I mean, I, anything you put into your body is going to induce some type of response. Am I saying that? Cause we're all, we're all so different. We're all so unique. So I, so I hate giving like blanket advice to say right. no, but obviously there's going to be some people that a little bit of alcohol is going to cause a, a higher response, you know, chemically. And so that's why some people can get away with like barely dieting and still get shredded. Why other people yeah. literally have to count every piece of lettuce just to get a, you know, four abs showing like, well, just so you, right. uniquely different. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously any chemical you put into your body can alter, uh, how other chemicals, uh, respond inside of your body and realize that erection is nothing outside of a blood flow and chemical response and nitrous oxide, like going to your penis. So yeah, I mean, we're, it's interesting. That makes me think of porn again. And I'm like, maybe some of these guys, you know, because they might watch porn or maybe even just like watch porn once a week, right? Let's say they're not addicted to porn. Let's say that's a possibility. Maybe they're just seeing like how hard these guys are in porn and thinking that's what they need to be like. So they're preemptively taking this Viagra and preemptively taking Cialis, if, if that makes any sense. Do you think that's a possibility? It could, could potentially be. Um, I wouldn't be, I mean, knowing men, cause I'm one of them and I mean, but yeah, it sounds like something that, uh, an insecure, uncertain man could potentially fall. fall yeah. yeah, totally. So we do this thing on our Instagram where we ask these like poll questions and they're kind of like rapid fire. Yes or no questions. So I'm going to hit you with a couple if that is okay. Let's do it. Okay. Is it bad karma to date like more than one person because you like one person so much that like you don't want to fuck it up? Yes or no? Is it bad karma to date more than one person? Yeah. Huh. Uh, I don't know if it's bad karma. I just think it would, I think it's wrong. Yeah. To date more than one person. Also, oh, before we get into another poll question, I meant to ask you this before, but you you mentioned that you tried to like abstain from sex till marriage with your ex. Is that what ultimately led to the breakup or was it something else? Us not having sex? No. Um, there's, without 
divulging too much personal information. Uh, I, I think porn, it, it caused too much friction that even with as much work as I've done, both together with her and therapy and counseling and then work on my own and then certifications and, and then now even a lot of the other work, like there, there was something that we just weren't able to break through that this mm-hmm. porn had kind of put this barrier between the two of us that just uh, the healing and forgiving. So, so no, it was not, it was not lack of sex. Okay. Is it a red flag or a deal breaker if your partner accidentally calls you by their ex's name? <laughs> uh, so deal breaker, it'd be over? No, no, no. It's not a deal breaker. Okay, okay. It's not a deal breaker. Do you think a man is better if he has sisters? Yes or no? Do I think a man is better if he has sisters? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just so scared to give these blanket answers because... <laughs> I know, but you have to. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I, I would say in most cases, yeah. Yeah, be. agreed. How often should you be texting with a partner in early stages of going on dates? Daily or only a few times a week? Oh, I think daily. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. You do two times more housework than your significant other and you want it to be 50-50. When you bring it up, they say you're a nag and to relax. Is that a red flag or a deal breaker? Um, that would be a, that, that would be a red flag that there's a communication barrier that needs to be worked through. Yeah. Would you say that you and your significant other, let's say you're in a relationship, err on the side of too open or not open enough about your sexual past and relationship experiences? (laughs) Well, I have a podcast where we talk about porn addiction. I'm obviously here. So yeah. um, there's, there's, there's no conversation uh, that is, that is off, off limits. I was actually writing, writing a letter last night, kind of a maybe closure. Like, like we're, we're literally like, I mean, days removed from, from separating, like mm-hmm. turning in the keys to, to a house. Um, so I was writing this letter and I don't know why I'm sharing this, but it was like trying to think about what to say. And it's like, if there's something that we haven't said to each other that we still need to, I can't imagine that is even possible. So right. yeah, for me, I don't think that there's anything that's, that's often it's like, we're going to be open. We're going to share it all. Uh, yeah. And that's, I'm bringing that to the table. And if she is willing to, then, then obviously I would be more comfortable. In that. I don't, I don't, I don't see why. Yeah. I like that. And thank you for sharing that. When you're on a first date with someone and you're not into it, do you still act your best? Like, are you still on your best behavior or do you stop trying as hard? Yeah, I'm always going to be on my, my best behavior. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of trying, oh, you're asking all these questions and it's like, I haven't like, hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm not going to like turn into like asshole. I'm still going to yeah. be nice. I mean, it may bring the evening to an end sooner, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to change who, who I'm who I am. Would you still pay for the date or would you let them split it if, if it wasn't? <laughs> yeah, I'm still going to. I mean, if, if I was planning on paying for it at the beginning, then yeah, yeah. I'm still going to. Yeah. If, uh, I mean, if, mm-hmm. if anything, like here's a, maybe here's a piece of advice, like actually look at the opportunity to maybe even show up a little bit better, not knowing like 
it doesn't work out with her, who's like on the other side of her? Maybe because I mean, right. she's going to feel it. She's going to feel it too. There's no reason to like be a be an ass to anybody, whether or not you're you're going to sleep with them or or move forward. Like always treat whoever's sitting in front of you with absolute respect because you just don't know potentially what what could come out of that. I mean, yeah, I agree. Okay, last question: Two people of each other's desired gender. Can they have a truly platonic friendship with zero attraction? Yes or no? Two people of opposite? Yeah, like 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 a man who is attracted to a woman with a woman, you know, or a man who's attracted to a man with a man. So you're saying can can a male and female be be just friends? Yeah, if they're if they're hetero, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. You heard it from Frank's mouth. Um, oh, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice that can help us? Um, you know, maybe it has to do with porn addiction. Maybe it has to do with just bettering yourself. Yeah, I'll just, I'll revert back to, I mean, it's, it's, it's my favorite quote of all time. It's on, uh, it's on my email signature. It's on my Frank Rich Fitness website. And it's uh, Socrates. Uh, no citizen has a right to be an amateur in the manner of physical training. What a disgrace it is for a man to grow old without ever seeing the beauty and strength at which his body is capable. So as a health coach, fitness, somebody that spent his, his life, you know, studying the body and truly mastering it from a, from a physical development standpoint, that quote just speaks so much to me. And obviously like we have this one body to like live this, this life through. So taking care of it, putting it first and foremost every single day and just optimizing our health will will allow us to create the ultimate human experience. Yeah, love that. Thank you so much, Frank. Where can everyone find you, follow you, listen to your podcast, and maybe sign up for some uh, coaching? Yeah, the, the best place um, for, for your audience is obviously the podcast. Uh, it's The Superhuman Life. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google, all, all your podcast platforms. Just search uh, The Superhuman Life Podcast, uh, superhumanlifepodcast.com. Um, I hang out most times on Instagram. So probably the best place to connect with me personally, you know, send me a message right now. That's kind of our, our coaching process is, is all just kind of organically through DM. We're in the process of building a few different sites, um, where people will, will be able to direct to, but right now the podcast, Instagram, and, uh, we're doing daily videos on YouTube. So search, uh, rebuild your life is our YouTube channel probably the best best places to find me. If you guys want some some muscle building stuff, we didn't talk about any of that. Um, I spent 15 years in the bodybuilding and fitness space. So I had frankrichfitness.com. Best place to connect with, with the fitness side. Uh, you'll see all our programs. We still do one-on-one coaching on the fitness side. So if you look for body transformation, muscle building, fat loss, bodybuilding contest prep, whatever it may be, those would be the best places to, to find us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Frank. And hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Feel free to write us a review and let us know your thoughts. 